oh, you know what? I don't have that one ready. We're going to have to play it next Sunday. Because in everything going on, I've disappointed the youth group because they've made a video, a, how do you say, their vision of what we do at youth and things that go on that they put together over uh, what last two Sunday nights. Um, unfortunately, because everything going on, buddy, I, I forgot to uh, load it into the mix. So uh, we will play it next Sunday, okay? <laughs> if you got a Bible... Or if you want to look at the screen, I'll give you the option. Luke chapter 24. I'll be reading from the, uh, the NKJV, which what was great was the missionary who spoke at Valley Forge Christian College, Dick Brogdon, he called it the NKJV. He joked and said it was the nearest to King Jesus version. Um, so <laughs> I won't make any claims quite so audacious. I do like the New King James Version. That's what I like to I'm, I'm very fond of it, okay? Uh, but anyhow, Dick Brogdon was just an amazing, uh, amazing guy. I met him in Phoenix, Arizona uh, this summer during general council, and uh, it was just something... Did you ever meet somebody and there's just something about them that absolutely draws you to them, and you find out that it's the presence of God in their lives? This man is a very humble servant. He grew up... The, the, the son of missionaries to Kenya, was raised in Kenya, and um, he uh, has since uh, become a missionary himself. For the past 20 years, he's been in the Sudan, I believe, mostly. There may be a few other places, and he is preparing to go back to the mission field. He's home itinerating, raising support, and they're not saying where it is that he's going to, which would normally, when the assemblies does something like that, that means that He'll be going to a nation that Christianity is not welcome to. Um, he's probably heading to one of the uh, Muslim nations in northern Africa, most likely. But they didn't say where, so they don't advertise this for his own sake of his life. And so, uh, anyhow, he'll be, uh, he'll be heading, heading there. But the guy was just so... He, he, he had a, a, a bin full of bracelets. He wrote a book called Live Dead. And the whole idea of dying to self. And uh, I have a copy of the book. Um, I'm not done with it yet, but I'm going to put it up somewhere for anybody that wants to get a hold of it. He gave me a bracelet, a leather bracelet that said Live Dead on it, and I gave it to Brian. And it's kind of neat that it goes full circle that here we wind up running into him at Valley Forge Christian College, you know, some two months later. I thought it was kind of neat. And um, the message that he spoke was simple and very powerful. I'm not going to preach the message that he preached, though. I'm not going to copy that. Um, but I can, I can show you where to find it if you, need, if you would like to. But this morning, Luke chapter 24. I'm going to start with verse 13. I'm going to read it quick. So uh, Cassie's going to be trigger finger happy right alongside me. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. This is days following Jesus' crucifixion. And now, we're following Jesus' resurrection. Now behold, verse 13, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. This is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Traveling to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, everything that went down. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk and are sad? 
And the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they didn't find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they didn't see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? At the beginning, and excuse me, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he was going farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and broke it, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Didn't our hearts burn within us while he walked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. These men are on a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. If you do the math, the average person takes about 20 to 25 minutes to walk an hour. So we're talking about roughly a two, two and a half hour journey, right? Now, some people walk faster than 20 minutes in an hour, um, but they say an average pace is somewhere around that. Am I, or am I off? Am I, what's that? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, the average person walks 20 minutes. It takes the average person 20 minutes to walk a mile. I knew I was messing something up. <clears throat> like I said, when pastor goes away, the whole place just falls apart. No. Um, only a week earlier, they had traveled from home to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, right? They probably did this every year of their lives ever since they were kids. It was a traditional thing to go to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And there was added excitement in town. Not just because it was Holy Week and a big culmination of everything to do with all parts of their lives. But there was the added excitement that Jesus, this prophet, this, this preacher was in town. And it was rumored that in Bethany, just a couple of days ago, he raised somebody from the dead. And he's in town. And he's speaking and sharing. And the multitudes, the mob, hailed him as king. We know the story. We celebrated Passover. They threw down um, palm branches so that Jesus and their cloaks even riding on a donkey, could enter into Jerusalem. And then it all just went to nothing. 
it seemed. Because at the end of the week, their Savior, the one who they expected to be the victorious king in, in political salvation and, and, and spiritual salvation of Israel, is dead, gone, tortured, killed, laid in a tomb. Why did he die? Why didn't he do something to stop it? And now there's another rumor floating around that somebody stole Jesus' body because they can't find it. And so, here we are, Cleopas and his unnamed friend, walking along the Emmaus Road, and they're joined by a stranger. They're talking about what happened. They're probably very disappointed. And they're joined by this stranger and asks, what? What's going on? Why are you so sad? Haven't you heard? You know, have you lived under a rock? You know, haven't you been out and about to know the news that's going on? that this Jesus was, was killed and laid in the grave. And the stranger asks questions. He's asking questions. Where has this guy been? He said, but he cared enough to say, what things? What's going on? And so they told him. And Jesus responded with Scripture, as we saw, because he was concerned about the shape of Cleopas and his friend's soul. He was concerned about their soul condition. How about us? We reach points where we know that our soul needs a little shaping, right? That's why we're here this morning. That's why we're here this morning. Here's the scoop. Our souls can be shaped by Jesus, in everyday travel. Verses 13 through 16. Behold, two of them are traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles. And we go through and we said how they're talking and how they're conversing and they're reasoning. And Jesus drew near, but they didn't even realize it was him that was with them. Their eyes were restrained, the Bible says. How is it that in an average walk, God can shape somebody's soul. Jesus gives me perspective when I'm bewildered. Ever been confused? Ever been bewildered about what's going on in life? I think we're all at different points in life there. But Jesus gives me perspective. Verse 17, he said to them, what kind of conversation is that you're having with each other as you're walking? Why are you sad? I don't think Jesus was being flip with them. I don't think he was being coy. I think Jesus was being direct as only he can and was able to reach in to try to find out, to draw out of them what's going on, the source of their confusion. You see, Jesus restores my hope when I'm in despair of what's taking place in my life. Verses 19 through 21, he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem us, redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened, they knew of the prophecy that he was to rise three days later. 
they were in despair and their hope was gone because their friend had been murderously executed and now his body's missing. The most important event of their lives and it's all been snatched away and turned almost seemingly to nothing. And there's one more thing I want to draw out here. Jesus gives me clarity when I'm confused. 21 through 24. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today's the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain other women of our company who arrived at the tomb early this morning astonished us when they didn't find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb, found it just what they said. And they didn't see Jesus. Jesus is, in the meantime, listening to all this patiently, letting them talk, right? Sometimes people need to talk, yes? Sometimes we need to just let people talk so we can find out and discern what is going on in their lives if we just let them talk. There's always a time to answer, isn't there? There will always be time to answer, but there's time to listen. And Jesus listened patiently. When Jesus finally breaks into the conversation, he picks up his end, and he puts all the pieces into the big picture. He showed them detail by detail, as Luke relates, of how, what had thrown them into bewilderment, what threw them into despair, what confused them, and how it all made perfect sense if they would look at it and listen to it as a part of God's larger plan. So, as Cleopas and his friend listened to Jesus relating Old Testament scriptures, they realized they weren't dealing with the latest religious fad, but this was God's plan from way back. They started to get the big picture. Their bewilderment was put into perspective because that's what Jesus does. Sometimes we need a dose of clarity, right? We need to be able to see things more clearly. It's what Jesus does. Sometimes we need to have hope reborn when we're in despair. Well, guess what? It's what Jesus does with our lives. He brings these things about, and he hands it out. So we find out, as we've read already, they finally get home. They get close to their destination. And they were so wrapped up in it that they hardly even realized that they were home. And Jesus indicated that he was traveling farther. He wasn't stopping there. Two, two and a half hours have flown by so quickly that they don't even realize it. And they press him. They constrained him, it says in this version. I know another word uh, that uh, one version used called they importuned him. In other words, they, they essentially inconvenienced him to stay. They begged him with a friendly violence, if you will, to stay with them. I'd like to say this. If we want the presence of Jesus in our lives, if we want God's peace in the midst of strife, if we want God's provision, if we want 
God's presence. We need to want it. It can't be a casual ask, but we've got to constrain Jesus. We need to, it's not a word we use normally, importune Him. We need to, it's not an inconvenience for Him, but it's the idea that we need to inconvenience Jesus. Only to find out that it was never an inconvenience at all for Him. But we've got to want it, friends. If we want God's peace in our lives, we've got to ask for it, and we've got to want it like we want it. Okay? If it ever looks to you like Jesus is drawing away from you, if it ever looks to you like you're stopped here and Jesus is still moving on somewhere away from you, I would dare say that it's only to get you to beg Him and ask Him for His presence in our lives. To stay with us. And believe me, I've seen my own seasons. You've seen yours. If you haven't, guess what? You're gonna. Okay? On a Christian walk, if you haven't experienced a season where it seems like Jesus has left you in the dust and you're somewhere on your own, you're gonna. And it's okay. Because God is still there. But we need to ask Jesus to stay with us like we want him to. Not just to travel with us during the day, but to stay with us at night. And what did Jesus do? He said, yeah. He yielded to what they asked him to do, and he came in. You know, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, I don't have it for Cassie on the screen, but essentially Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody opens it, I'm in. I'm in. Secondly, another thing, Cass, our souls can be shaped by Jesus in the routine of daily meals. We said earlier it was in, it was in common travel that Jesus takes time to shape our souls. Here we are in the routine of everyday meals, verses 28 and 29. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's towards evening, and the day is far spent. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Okay, so your Cleopas, or Cleopas' friend, I don't know what his friend's name was, they didn't feel it was important to relay it. But you've been calmed down, and you've been put at peace now, through the course of a couple hours' worth of conversation, when was the last time you had a chance to sit and talk to anybody for a couple of hours? Did you ever just think about that? With as crazy as life gets sometimes. When was the last time you had a chance to sit and talk with somebody about something you need to talk about for a couple of hours? If you haven't found the time lately, make the time. Put something aside and find somebody to talk to. Cleopas and his friend are feeling normal again. They probably grabbed a loaf of bread from a vendor or something. I don't know. You know, they've been gone for a week. It's not like they had time to bake. Anything they would have had in the house would have gone bad in a week's time. They don't have all the preservatives that we have today. But the guest takes the bread and he blesses it. And he probably said something like this. Here's some Hebrew for you. He would have said something like this. 
Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, hamotzi lechem min haoritz, which is a traditional Hebrew blessing over bread, which is, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. There was something familiar about what this guy's doing. This wasn't a miraculous meal, okay? Remember the story of the five loaves, two fishes, right? That was miraculous, wasn't it? This wasn't miraculous. This wasn't a sacramental meal like we observed this morning, was it? No, it was a common meal. And here Jesus is doing what he always does. He's teaching us to keep our relationship with God through Jesus in common and usual provision. This is not common and usual provision. This is sacrament that we take, right? How about this afternoon when you go home? Or when you stop somewhere to grab a bite to eat? How about in moments like that? Can God shape your soul in a moment like that? Absolutely. Whenever, wherever we sit down, put Jesus as the head of the table, figuratively. I'm not saying make an empty seat at your table. I'm saying place Jesus at the head of your table, figuratively. Take the food that you got to eat, that's blessed by him, for us. Give him the glory through it. And be content, whether it's steak, whether you're eating fresh at Subway, or whether it's a can of SpaghettiOs, okay? I was talking with some of these kids in college, you know, the typical college fare of ramen noodles, oodles of noodles, and boxes of macaroni and cheese. I will never touch oodles of noodles ever again in my life, friends, I'll tell you right now. But all of a sudden, in a common place, Jesus, this guy at the table, is no longer a guest. He's the host. All of a sudden... Things are flipped, turned around. Brian and Ethan and I were singing the uh, theme from uh, all of something flipped, turned upside down. What was that? The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's for the kids. Okay, sorry. We'll just leave that for the kids and the young at heart. And if you don't know what it is, you're not missing much. Trust me. Okay. Um, But it's flipped around. The guest is now the host, and he takes the bread... And he breaks it. It was traditional. They didn't, you know, bread back then, especially at Passover, because what do they do? At, Stephanie's not here. My darling wife, uh, raised in a Jewish family, uh, my go-to person who I look to to say, what have I missed? What am I doing wrong? Um, in, in, a, in a Passover, they get rid of all the, um, all the leaven, um, things to, um, what's the, yeast, things like that. Thank you. Okay. All those things. It has to be flat bread because they baked bread quick. When they were getting out of Egypt, when it was Passover time, Exodus time, got to scoot, got to travel fast. No, so every year during Passover, they get rid of all the leaven in the house, chuck it, and then they, they, they make a, it's a it's a big part of the ceremony in a Passover seder to make sure that the house is cleaned of all leaven. All right, and um, so you know, breaks the bread. You ever eat matzah? You know, it's like a cracker, sort of. You know, but uh, and there's so much analogy in there, but. That's for another time and another teaching. Anyhow, he breaks the bread. And it suddenly it dawns on you. Now, the picture up there is a nice baguette, I think, or something like that was the picture that I found. Okay? But, you know, the, the bread that in a Passover Seder would have been different. But, anyhow, um, 
all of a sudden they realize it's Jesus and he's alive. And so what was mundane and what was routine and what was ordinary, like the walk from Jerusalem, ordinary travel, they're walking, they weren't riding in style, okay? But it was ripe with power to shape their souls. There's nothing more ordinary in every day than sitting down and eating lunch, right? Or sitting down and eating supper, or anymore, usually we grab breakfast on the run, don't we? Like a schmuffin at sheets or something like that. I don't know if Steve does. Yeah. Um, but whether you're eating out of your lunch bucket at a job site or grabbing lunch somewhere, taking your lunch with you to work, whatever the case is, we eat meals because we have to, right? We need nutrition, we need all that. But we also eat because we like it. Yes, I like to eat. Tell you right now, I can name several things that Stephanie makes that absolutely make my day. One of which I've been begging her recently is she makes a liver spread from chicken livers that I just love. Isn't that disgusting to sound? Oh, it is great. Let me tell you something. And she makes it for crackers and that. And I'm telling you what, seriously, it is the biggest treat in my life. It is. And she'll she'll agree. She'll tell you that. Most meals that we and I got to wrap up here. Most meals most meals that we eat aren't elaborate, are they? Most meals that we eat aren't elaborate. It's not like Thanksgiving dinner or something like that, okay? But meeting a a friend for a a bowl of soup or a sandwich to have conversation with, it's nice too, isn't it? It's good for us. And Cleopas and his friend, in the moment that Jesus breaks the bread, all of a sudden, boom, it dawns on them, it's Jesus. He's here and he's alive. Listen, quickly, Jesus takes what I give him. Remember, they took, right, right here we read it. He took the bread that they gave him, he broke it, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to him. Then they opened their eyes and realized it was him. I went back and looked at some other places where Jesus hosted meals. God, Jesus, Jesus blesses what I give him. Five loaves and two fish. Took the simple meal that a boy had, took it, blessed it, broke it, boom. It's more than enough for everybody. Jesus takes what I give him and he blesses it. And he breaks what I give him. It says how many times that he broke the meal. Jesus breaks my offering to him. How does that make sense? But Jesus is able to give it back, and it's more than it ever was. Because what I had wasn't enough. What I bring to the table, friends, isn't enough for me spiritually. I can't survive on my own. I get confused, I get in despair. I get bewildered. I wind up without hope. On my own, I get depressed. I need the presence of Jesus in my life. And Jesus gives it back. He said it as we read it this morning. Jesus said, and and even in Matthew 26, 26, take, eat, this is my body. And I had a video, and we're not even going to play it today because there's not enough time, but I will save it for another Sunday if Pastor gives me another chance to preach. But afterward, they talk about it. Will you stand with me? After the meal was over, they said Jesus broke the bread. They realized who he was, and he was gone, right? Okay? Took off. I don't know how Jesus did his thing, whether it was in a crowd. If you, if you remember when he, when he uh, revealed himself to Thomas, boom, all of a sudden he was there. I'm not saying Jesus appears or disappears with a puff of smoke, okay? I'm not saying that's what happened. But Jesus was able to get in and out fast, all right? He's Jesus. He's the Son of God. He can do whatever he wants to. Okay? But what I'm driving this is this. Jesus is gone. And it's afterward, 
what are they doing? They said they started to talk about it. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Didn't our hearts burn within us while he was talking to us on the road? They didn't compare notes. They compared hearts. And friends, we've got to compare hearts. And we've got to talk about our relationship with Jesus. We've got to. And we've got to talk about the things that we're facing in our lives with somebody. And we've got to talk about them with Jesus because He cares about where you are and what's going on. And if you're ever tempted to think for a minute that Jesus doesn't care, don't fool yourself. He gave it all up for you. If you were the only one, Jesus would have gone to the cross just for you. Just for you. He's that concerned. We need to compare hearts too.